Hey everyone, it's Steve Durr. We're here today to read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 1 and going to verse 5. And so let me read this. This is Paul continuing on the subject of generosity to the church family in Corinth. Here's what he says. There's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help. And I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you in Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Here's Paul. I mean, he, he's talking about generosity. His desire is that the church in Corinth would follow through on what they said they would do earlier. They felt prompted by God to give this gift to the church family in Jerusalem, those who were suffering, their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. They were eager. They wanted to give a financial gift. And so Paul hears this, and in his travels and in his communications, he shares the story of this church in Corinth, this church with a heart flowing of love and generosity. And by sharing this, other churches in the region said, we want to participate in this. We want to give and be generous, just like the church in Corinth, because generosity can be contagious. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but generosity is contagious. And the church family in Corinth sparked generosity in all the other churches. But then it went sideways. <laughs> Things went sideways with Paul. Things went sideways with some division in the church. And along the way, their focus shifted and their enthusiasm for giving withered up and faded into the background. Now it's just a memory. And so now Paul and the church family, they're being reconciled together. And there's been repentance in the church family. And so now Paul is reaching out to them to follow through on what they already said they wanted to do, what Paul's been telling people that the church is doing and yet have not yet done. So Paul's going to be showing up soon with folks from the churches that were all inspired by the, the Corinthians' hearts of generosity. Imagine how embarrassing it would be and shameful even if Paul showed up with other church leaders and they all discovered that all that talk about giving was just talk, that the church in Corinth really hadn't repented, weren't really on a new track with Jesus and Paul, that Paul then would look foolish to be sharing the story of the Corinthian church's generosity only to be seen as a myth. The character of the Corinthians is about to be on display. Will they follow through on what they felt God prompting them to do? Yet Paul doesn't want them to do this because they have to. He's not wanting to twist anyone's arms. No one likes to give when you feel like you have to. You want to give because you love to. And he wants to see them give out of love. 
because they love God and they love their fellow followers of Jesus in need, because they are learning to look like Jesus who generously gave his all, because they've experienced God's grace and gift of life, because they're giving to God first and his kingdom. This gift is to be a response to God and a blessing to the church in Corinth and not a reluctant or forced action. So to reveal that this was originally their desire, that they want to give, that they would love to give and follow through on on their desire, Paul wants to make sure that they give and have their gift ready before he arrives. Otherwise, things are going to get messy and go sideways. He doesn't want to have to, you know, show up and then wait around while they try to pull money together. That just doesn't seem like their heart's behind it. It could look like pressure. He doesn't want to have to question them on why they didn't do it. He wants it just to be ready. So Paul sent some of his team in advance to make sure they were prepared and that they were participating in what they said they wanted to do. So when Paul arrives, they can all rejoice at God's work among the church in Corinth, as well as through them. Paul sees giving as a heart issue. Who has their hearts? Is it God? Is it their stuff? Is it money? Are they giving to God or are they tying their gift to how they feel about Paul? Have they really repented and refocused on Jesus? If so, it would be seen in how they respond in their generosity. It was a moment to obey God in what they sensed him asking them to do. So what caught my attention from this passage wasn't the lack of desire or lack of good intentions that prevented generosity in the situation. I mean, they seem to have tons of good intentions and lots of love and great desire to give. That wasn't the thing stopping them from giving. They communicated that they wanted to take this action. They wanted to give this gift, but desiring to do something is not the same as doing something. Let me say that again. Desiring to do something is not the same as doing something. Having the best intentions doesn't always lead to intentionally taking action. For example, it's amazing how easy it is to be motivated by a goal or a desire to do something and then to start talking about it, learning about it, planning to do it, thinking about it, and then in the end of all that, still not acting on it. It reminds me of me uh, every new year, it seems, with a resolution to exercise more, to get more healthy, to start a life-giving hobby. And I get motivated and I start talking about it. And by talking about it, you know what happens? It's almost like I'm doing it. If I talk about it, if I announce it, if I begin to bring it up and other people start talking to me about it as well. It's almost as if I'm doing it. So then I don't have to actually do it. (laughs) You know, we get a little dopamine feel good hit proclaiming the goal or what our intention is or our desire. So we get a little dopamine feel good hit then instead of when we experience the fulfillment of the goal. People cheer you on, but saying it feels like doing it. So I don't have to do it. Action trumps desire because action is desire that does something about it. So I wonder for me in my own life and maybe for you with all my good intentions to be generous, to give of my time and my money and my life and my talents, all that God has entrusted to me to give back to him for his glory and his gain 
I wonder, where have I settled to think about giving or say I should serve others or agree that God is calling me to be generous with my life and my time and my talents and yet never take action? (laughs) To stop there and not bring intentional action to my good intentions. What has God called you and me to do? And will we obey? Will we respond out of love and grace for what he's done in our life? Today, what is God calling you to do? How is he getting your attention? And what will be your response? Let me pray. God, thank you so much for all that you've entrusted to us. You have blessed our socks off. And it's more than just money or resources. It's being able to breathe today, to be alive, to have people around us, to have a warm home, just all those little blessings that we can take so for granted. God, with our very lives, our all, our resources, our time, our money, our talents, all these things you've entrusted to us, God, lead us into how you would have us be generous, to look like you, Jesus. And then, Lord, help us to take an intentional step of action with our good intentions. In Jesus' name.